You are engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Great to be with you again this Sunday. And um, I know a lot of people ask me uh, about the show and kind of the studio, and obviously a lot of things have changed. So I used to have a big studio that was um, built into my former home. And uh, now I'm doing something a little bit different here. And uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, what you're seeing behind me isn't actually real. Uh, it's a little secret. And uh, how I do it, um, I'm not going to show you how I do it. Uh, and it's not just, I'm not just using Zoom and just clicking a button. So there's kind of a little bit of magic involved in it so uh pretty cool setup that i have though uh in my smaller place <laughs> which doubles as my studio uh but i had a great week uh because i was in detroit and then i got super busy in my business i had not been up to saint augustine in a few days so i thought man i'm gonna go up to saint augustine so i had a really good um weekend i went up there uh on both friday and saturday uh, had a great time you know just walking around uh petting dogs <laughs> meeting new people seeing some of my friends up there. I have so many friends up there that own businesses. It's just a lot of fun. Um, and then a friend invited me uh, out today uh, at the St. Augustine. So uh, a great day here uh, as well. Uh, all right. So I'm, I want to talk a little bit about social media, uh, jump right into that a little bit. So I'm experimenting with something right now. And if you're somebody that follows me on Facebook in particular, you're going to see this experiment. So here's my experiment. My experiment is if I go Facebook Live, will I get more viewers or will I get more viewers if I have like a higher production value? So I have this app that I subscribe to. It's like eight bucks a month and it's called CapCut and it's on my, my Android phone. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still struggling with how to use this thing, but I have figured out how to put in like some of these really nice little graphics that pop um, when you put a video up. And I'm starting to find that my higher production value, even just a small little graphic that, you know, announces what I'm talking about. Also, it puts in all of the uh, captioning uh, as well, this, this app. Um, I'm getting more views this way. So this is kind of new and it's a little bit of a different approach. And let me tell you why I really like this better than going live. I have had a lot of problems going live with it's stopping in the middle of my live broadcast. Um, this is not what I'm here in my studio. I'm talking about like when I'm live and I'm walking around and I'm making videos live. I have problems with it just dropping in and out. And I'm not really sure how to resolve that. I don't know if it's uh, an issue with the uh, company that I have my phone with or if it's a Facebook issue, but it's really frustrating. But the other thing is, um, with the new phones, like I have the, uh, the galaxy flip and the quality and the resolution that you can get. If you just record a video on your phone, 
compared to the resolution that you get if you go live, it's incredible how much better the quality is. So make a long story short, uh, I'm kind of leaning towards doing more of these recordings that I then just post to Facebook that are not live and then using um, this app to add a little bit of, you know, pizzazz to the post, you know, a little bit of graphics, some captioning, some things like that. So um, this is kind of leaning a little bit more towards the TikTok approach, which is TikTok tends to have a little bit higher production quality. And I know you can go live on TikTok, but I know that's not as big of a thing going live on TikTok as it is uh, on Facebook. So just something different I'm trying. I'm curious to get your feedback on it as well. Um, I did post a video um, yesterday where I kind of used this approach and I was talking about getting paid as a writer. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later in this episode. But you'll see an example of that if you go to any of my Facebook pages and you see the, the video that I posted when I was in St. Augustine yesterday. Uh, all right, so I throw this question out. I put it out on Facebook, and the question is a simple one, which is that even if you love Trump, do you think he can win? And what I'm getting to is obviously you have his core following, which is like, I don't know, maybe a third of the country is just like all in for Trump. Then you have probably a third of the country, maybe 40%, that absolutely hates Trump. And so you've got to convince these people in the middle. These are the kingmakers, the independents, the moderates. Um, does Trump have too much of a negative uh, opinion right now? Is there too much of a negative uh, view of Trump for him to be able to win? I just throw that out I, to you. I, I'm 99% sure he's going to get the nomination, but I just wonder if he can actually win in the general. And I'm just throwing that out there. I know I'm going to get some nasty emails from Trump supporters for even asking this question, but I think it's a legit question. And if we're in it to win it, maybe Trump isn't the person that can win it. I'm just throwing that out there to you. I don't know. Um, I know that DeSantis is way behind in the polling for the nomination. Um, so do we get Trump in uh, as the nominee, but not get the White House this time around. I think if it's Trump versus Biden, I think we're absolutely in good shape. But more and more, I'm convinced that Biden is just not going to be the candidate in 2024. I don't see this guy having the stamina and the ability. And all of these scandals are starting to percolate, not just about Hunter Biden and all of that mess and the laptop and all of that, but also stuff that goes directly to Joe Biden. And now you've got the House of Representatives, which is under Republican control. And we now have some serious investigations going on into the Bidens. I just don't see for a number of reasons, including his health and his lack of just vitality uh, and mental clarity. I don't see Biden uh, as the nominee in 2024. I think someone else is going to uh, step up and Biden is going to step down. And that's what concerns me is I'm not concerned about a Trump up against Biden, but somebody that is younger and more vivacious and has more energy, I think that is going to be uh, potentially a problem because the country's pretty much split 50-50. And um, Trump does have high negatives as far as he does. There are a lot of people that will go out not to vote for a Democrat uh, in November of 2024. They'll go out to vote against Trump. And we know that. Um, and then with all the shenanigans in the elections, I mean, 
who knows what could happen. Uh, so I just throw that out to you, you know, your thoughts, put that up on my Facebook as well. Do you think that Trump can win? Now, regarding Trump's legal battles, which are getting to be uh, so numerous that, I mean, I don't see any way he can possibly be found not guilty on all of these charges. Now, again, before you attack me <laughs> with the emails and the messages on Facebook, I'm not suggesting I agree that he actually is guilty of any of these charges. I'm just simply saying when you have multiple government entities charging you with multiple charges and they've gotten these indictments and sometimes they're in you know very liberal places like Washington, D.C., New York City, uh, etc. There's possibly something coming, you know, in, in, in Georgia, that would be an Atlanta grand jury. Um, you just wonder, you know, is it is it likely that he's going to win in all of these cases? I don't know. Um, but Alan Dershowitz uh, says that Trump, his lawyers just quit uh, several of his lawyers. I'm not sure if all of his lawyers quit, but but the ones representing him in a lot of these situations, these new charges have have stepped aside. And I imagine Trump is probably a very hard client uh, to work with because he lawyers like to be in control. They don't like clients that have a lot of opinions that want to take different directions than them. A lot of lawyers, honestly, are settlers. They're not litigators. They don't know how to fight. They've never fought. They've always settled. So so I get that. And I could see why Trump would not be a good client uh, for lawyers because he doesn't want to settle. He doesn't want to plea bargain. He doesn't want to in any way play softball with these people coming after him. And I'm with him on that. I mean, if I were him, I'd be doing the same thing. But Alan Dershowitz makes some interesting points in a recent article where he talks about the fact that uh, in a recent interview that, that Trump um, is, is having a super hard time getting lawyers because there are these groups now that will literally go after any lawyer, any law firm that represents Trump and Dershowitz even gave his own examples of this, how he was ostracized by friends, um, you know, without his stellar name and reputation, he probably would have been ostracized by Harvard as well, um, where he has taught law. And so a lot of lawyers are honestly afraid, afraid to get on Trump's team because they will then be painted as racists and Nazis. They will be ostracized from their communities. A lot of lawyers have political aspirations. They want to run for office at some point. They want to get into, you know, different uh, appointed positions in government. And being part of Trump, uh, Trump's team legally is not good uh, for publicity. It is interesting, though, because I've always thought you know, a good lawyer is a good lawyer. And even if you take on somebody that is guilty, I mean, look at some of the people that rose to fame from the OJ Simpson trial. I mean, all of those lawyers, you know, Johnny Cochran, uh, Tom Mesereau, uh, I mean, so many of them, I, I can't even remember all their names, uh, the Innocence Project, what is his name, Barry, I uh, can't think of all the names, but uh, Kardashian, I mean, he was on uh, Trump's legal team, all of the lawyers that were involved with Trump, uh, I'm sorry, with with OJ Simpson, all the uh, lawyers involved with the O.J. Simpson case, uh, those all rose to fame and nobody held that against them. I mean, even though I think most people thought O.J. was guilty. Um, so I'm not sure why the situation with Trump is so unique, why Trump can't get lawyers. And uh, but it does seem to be uh, an issue. And Dershowitz is comment on it. And it is unfortunate because I think everybody is entitled to a defense in this country. 
and this idea of going after lawyers because of who they represent, uh, especially in this case where, I mean, this clearly looks like political prosecution uh, any way that, that you slice it, uh, really seems unfortunate. But an interesting article from Alan Dershowitz. Okay, so back to that article or back to that video that I did uh, when I was in St. Augustine yesterday, which is about becoming a writer. And so many people get in touch with me and they say, Jim, I want to write a book. I want to become a writer. How do I write books like you? And people know I've written dozens of books and they want to know how, how they can get in on that. How can they do that? And, and I've got a ton of information on that in my online course. So if you're somebody that really does want to write a book, check out my online course, internetpaycheckforlife.com. Check out the course. Right now, there's a $150 discount going, so take advantage of that. But there's a ton in there on my publishing career, including you know being published with traditional publishers as well as being self-published. There's a ton in there on that. But one of the things that I, I pointed out in this video yesterday is that you know don't start as a writer writing a book. Uh, I, I think that's the hardest thing to do. It's like saying, I want to become a mountain climber, and the first mountain I'm going to climb is Mount Everest. Uh, writing a book is very difficult, even if it's self-published. It's a big project. Most people will give up before they even get too far into it. So my thought is, rather than do that, why not start out uh, with something that's more doable? Write an article. You know, write an article on the topic that you're interested in. And a great place for writers is medium.com. Now, you don't have to join medium.com to actually write for medium and get paid. Um, but I do suggest you join. It's five bucks a month, which gives you access to all of the articles at medium.com. You get unlimited articles. And there's a ton of articles there um, by writers that are making their full-time living writing. And uh, it's, it's a great place if you want to learn the craft of writing, not just writing, but making money from writing. You can actually go there for free. You can set up an account. You can start publishing articles and start getting money from your articles. And I think that that's a great way to get started. And maybe you'll write 50 articles or 100 articles. And then those articles could then be repurposed. And those articles could end up being uh, the basis for your book. But I think it's great to write to get the experience of writing, to get the feedback from people reading your writing, and also to make a little bit of money. And I think um, it, it's a much easier goal to write a short article, maybe once a week, than to be looking at a, a one or two year project of a book that maybe you'll never finish and you'll never get to that point of having published anything. So I, I really like medium.com. I put a video up about that uh, on my uh, social media yesterday and it's a great place to get started and I do talk a lot about sites like medium.com in my course internetpaycheckforlife.com. All right, so if you take a look at cryptocurrency right now, so one of the the big stories was that the Grayscale uh, ETF that is where you can buy Bitcoin as a stock uh, is now um, making some new highs. And this is really good news, not just for Bitcoin, but for cryptocurrency in general. Um, that ETF um, was really hit hard um, in recent uh, months, especially the last year and a half or so. Um, but the, um, the the I'm not sure it's an ETF. I'm I'm using the wrong term. But the um, the the gray the grayscale trust, the Bitcoin uh, grayscale trust, 
Um, it, it does track the price of Bitcoin and it is uh, seeing a lot of inflows now. So we're, we're reaching the another stage with Bitcoin. We go through these cycles um, where Bitcoin uh, drops substantially, then it sort of hits a plateau, it, it, it levels out, then it takes off again. We're in that next phase of accumulation where it is going to start going up again, it looks like it. And uh, the, gray, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the stock symbol is GBTC. Um, you can buy that through pretty much any, any broker. Uh, and you can do that through an IRA account as well, if that's something that you'd like to take a look at. And on the topic of, um, of cryptocurrency, uh, Ripple XRP, um, if you take a look at the chart on Ripple, just doing fantastic. Take a look at a one-year chart on Ripple, which it's currently at 49 cents. But again, we talk about this repeatedly, the fact that the lawsuit with the government, the Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit um, against the parent company of Ripple XRP appears to be very, very close to settling. And I know it's June, and I know we talked about it settling maybe back in March or April, but it really does look like it's going to settle. And we just had a settlement uh, also with um, Binance and the Securities and Exchange Commission. So it looks like cryptocurrency, uh, the government is becoming satisfied with sanctions and not as much uh, focused on absolutely trying to shut down these cryptocurrencies. I think they have realized that it's whack-a-mole, that they're never going to shut down all of these cryptocurrencies. So regulation is the answer. And if you feel like one of these exchanges or one of these cryptocurrencies has run amok, better to sanction them, find them, get them to agree to some future boundaries rather than um, doing like an all-in game where you're trying to absolutely shut them down. So I think uh, the next six months here of the year, uh, cryptocurrency looks looks very, very good. All right, so one thing that I, I was able to work on for a client this week, which I found to be uh, very, very fascinating, it's the first time I've done this, and it is using a reverse mortgage to buy a house. And this is such a cool idea if you are over 62 years of age. And I'm going to give you some actual numbers here. So let's say that you wanted to buy a house for $300,000 and you're over 62. So what you could literally do is put down about 60%. That would be about $180,000. And then you would buy that house. It's your house. And you'd have no mortgage payment for the rest of your life. How cool is that? That is using a home equity conversion mortgage, a reverse mortgage for a purchase. And yes, I do that. And let's say that you, this is the one question people ask me. So I did that. I do that, Jim. I, I buy a house with a reverse mortgage and then the next day I die. So then the bank gets my house and my family gets no money. Nope, that's not how it works. So you will, you will get a statement every month and your house has equity. Um, your house will have equity for years and years and years. Uh, my mother has had a reverse mortgage for 20 years and she just recently reached the point that she has no more equity because she hasn't had a payment in 20 years. So yes, um, after you die or leave the house or sell the house, there's still going to be residual of value there. And one of the cool things I can do if this is something you're interested in is I could actually give you a printout and actually show you the numbers. So you can say, hey, I want to buy this house it's 400,000. What am I going to have to put down and show me a schedule of what my equity would be in my remaining years. And we could do it all the way out, like to the age of a hundred. It's pretty incredible. So this is a really cool strategy. Buy the house you want, no payments for life. 
using a reverse mortgage, a home equity conversion mortgage as a purchase. Very, very cool strategy that very few people know about. All right, I continue to be fascinated, absolutely fascinated by this podcast called Scamanda, which is a play on the name Amanda. And it is the most unbelievable thing you will ever hear. And I want to just keep promoting it because I think there's a huge lesson in this. It is a a young lady who fakes having a cancer diagnosis. She does this for, I believe it's seven years, uh, bilks her church, all of her friends, her community, even uh, celebrities. And, And the amount of money that she defrauded was like well into the six figures and she had a blog and she was doing social media and she was had her whole big church roped into this. It's really fascinating because the people that you'll you'll learn this from the podcast, the people that uncovered that this was a scam were unable to get any information because of HIPAA laws. So this is almost like the perfect scam because you could go out there and fake that you have some disease and say that you're going in for all these different treatments and that you're flying around the country to be a part of these different, uh, you know, medical uh, programs and trials and so forth. And nobody can verify that that's true or not. And it's interesting because how they brought her down was with the IRS. So the IRS stepped in and uh, looked and they, they found out that not a dollar of this money that she had brought in supposedly for her medical treatments, not a dollar of it went to medical treatments. Unbelievable. So she ended up in prison. I think they gave her, I don't know, was it five years or a seven year prison sentence. But in any case, um, it is a, um, an absolute study on, uh, on a sociopath, on a psychopath, somebody that can just completely lie and have no guilt about it. No conscience. It is, unbelievable it's called scamanda s-c-a-m-a-n-d-a and you can just type that in anywhere you listen to podcasts and you can get uh i believe there are six or seven episodes out already and i think it's an ongoing thing so i think there's going to be more episodes coming as they reveal more and more about this incredible story so this story is uh upsetting to a lot of people and i get it the student loan uh, suspension of payments is ending. And so very soon, like as soon as this fall, you're going to have to start making payments again on your student loans. Now there is one big thing that's still out there looming, which is the Supreme court, uh, decision. So if the Supreme court actually decides in favor of Biden's student loan forgiveness, then lots of people are going to have their student loans wiped out, um, you know, up to $20,000 a person. Uh, that case has not been decided on yet. It's been heard, but the ruling did not has not come out yet. But um, under this most recent budget deal, um, the student loan payments will resume this fall. And this is a big deal because I know, I'm not kidding you, I know people because I'm in the mortgage industry and I see people's, you know, debts and all that as part of my job. I know people with over a hundred thousand in student debts, uh, student loans. And I mean, you're talking about monthly payments, even if you negotiate for the reduced payment. I mean, some of these people have monthly payments of a grand a month 
which is huge. So this is like a, a mortgage payment. It's like a giant car payment or a rent payment. And those payments are coming back. And remember, you know, the student loan debt, uh, for the most part, cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. And uh, they can farm it out to private collectors. They have as much power to come after you as the IRS, like literally to go after your bank accounts and your paycheck and all kinds of, um, you know, horrible collection tactics. So you need to find out about this. Just do a quick Google search, get, get yourself caught up on the news. If you've forgotten about your student loans, you got to remember them now because uh, the day of reckoning may be coming very, very soon. Um, all right. Mike Pence. Mike Pence has announced he is running for president. And honestly, I like Mike Pence. He, he seems to be a good Christian man. I personally don't have the animus towards Mike Pence that a lot of people do regarding his, uh, you know, supposedly on January 6th, he had some kind of secret power where he could have decertified the election uh, for Biden. I don't believe that's true. I'm not convinced that's true. I don't think that um, I don't think Pence could have done anything. Honestly, I think he was stuck between a rock and a hard place. And he did get a lot of legal opinions to see what he could do. And he was not he was not given any legal opinion that he was in a position uh, to not, you know, uh, certify or, or read out aloud, uh, you know, in the the um, certification of the election. I don't think he had any choice. And it's just a shame that he's been vilified. I'm not so sure, you know, that he is the best candidate. I don't know. I mean, I kind of lean more towards DeSantis if I had to, you know, lean away from somebody other than Trump. Uh, if I had to lean away from Trump, I, I'd say maybe DeSantis. But uh, Mike Pence um, has an interesting, you know, he's got some followers, especially Christians. But a lot of people have it out for Mike Pence because of January 6th. And uh, I honestly, you know, have mixed feelings. I, I don't think that Pence uh, had much of a role as vice president. I don't think, uh, you know, being Trump's vice president would have given you much of an opportunity to kind of establish your own name and your own following and your own uh, accomplishments because Trump's kind of one of those strong leaders that's out front that takes all the oxygen out of the room. But I don't know, maybe Trump would, uh, maybe uh, Pence would be a good president. I'd like to see how he does um, in the debates. He seems like a super nice guy. He's a Christian. He supports all of the things that I would support, but he's not as tough and brash of a fighter as Trump. So uh, that's all got to be factored in. But I certainly have no ill will towards Mike Pence, as do many people uh, who are upset with him about the January 6th um, situation. Okay, so the home that I grew up in in suburban Bridgeview, Illinois, outside of Chicago, um, I just got a message from a friend that it's up for sale. So it was a lot of fun. I went into Zillow, typed in the address, and there it was, up for sale for $289,000. And it's so interesting because my parents, uh, my dad at the time was an electrician, my parents got married when they were 18 and 19 and my dad had been working as an electrician since he was 15 and we had a relative that was in the construction business. So he built the house. My dad did all the electrical because he was in that line of work. And I believe that the original mortgage on the house was $3,000 what they paid and the house today is worth 289. 
So it made me wonder, I was thinking, so when my parents moved from Chicago, I think it was in 84 or 85. And I was remembering that they sold the house for 180 at that time. And I was thinking, well, now it's 289 and this is 2023. That hasn't really, I don't know. It hasn't had the appreciation as a lot of areas have had. I've told you my story here in Florida, uh, the home that I owned prior to the divorce, our home we bought in 2010 and that house we bought for 125 and, uh, it is now worth over 400. So, um, you know, the appreciation they had obviously from 1966 to 1985 was fantastic, but the appreciation from 85 to the year 2022, um, it hasn't even really doubled in price. So I was looking at Chicago real estate numbers and, uh, you know, obviously everywhere real estate's been going up and that's not really because so much of real estate appreciation, but the devaluing of the dollar. So as the dollar becomes devalued because of all this free money that is given out, you know, because of COVID and all of this, you know, bailouts, all of this money, the value of money goes down. So things like real estate, gold, other commodities just automatically go up in value. It's not so much that they're rising in value. It's that the value of the dollar is, is going down. So that's why these things appear to be going up in value when they're really not. But if you look at uh, real estate in Chicago over the last year, it has dropped in value 2%, which is really remarkable when you look at uh, inflation, double digit inflation, and then you've got real estate actually dropping uh, in value in, in Chicago. So in real terms, that's more like probably a 10 or 12% drop when you factor in inflation uh, and that you've got a, a real dollar, you know, and cents drop of, of 2%. But when you just look at the overall trend, and this is what I get into a lot on the show is the population numbers. If you look at the numbers, uh, there is a net outflow of people out of these states like Illinois, New Jersey, New York, California. These are the states to stay out of because, uh, I mean, real estate is a supply and demand uh, situation. And a recent poll just showed that the number one place that people want to move to is Florida or somewhere like Florida. And uh, here we are. And everybody wants to come to Florida, not only because of the weather, but you know, the lifestyle here, we've got great weather, but we've got a great lifestyle. We've got the beaches and there's a lot of areas of Florida that are still super affordable and with the remote working trend, I think this is really the biggest um, game changer in the real estate uh, industry, in, in the real estate you know, markets, is the remote working trend. The idea that people no longer have to go through the hustle and bustle of the hour commute, riding the subway, riding the train, sitting in traffic on an interstate highway for an hour each way to work, or even you know, worse than that. Um, this is the new, this is the future people being able to work remotely. And why wouldn't you take your money, go somewhere where you can get more for your money, have a better lifestyle for you and your family. I think Florida is, is incredible. And if you're somebody that's interested in Florida, you don't maybe know where you want to move in Florida, but you want to, you know, look at Florida, get in touch with me. I have some real estate friends that are super smart and have access to the whole MLS for the whole state. And if you're not interested in where I live, which is near Daytona Beach, um, maybe there's another area, but I can hook you up. So get in touch. Uh, you can send me an email, the, the email that goes directly to my phone, 
whether you're interested in finding out more about mortgage financing uh, anywhere across the country or real estate here in Florida, James L. Paris at gmail.com. James L. Paris at gmail.com. All right, that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless. Uh, super excited uh, just to be back on a roll here, doing the show for you every week. Loving it uh, in the new studio here, my new magic studio <laughs> with the big city behind me. Uh, get in touch if there's a topic you'd like me to address or a question you'd like me to answer. Uh, my main email is jim at christianmoney.com. God bless. I'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.